0: To the Joyful Courage podcast, a show that has been downloaded over one million times. That's right. That's right, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep talking about that. A place where we will continue to tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting. I'm your host, Casey O'Rorty, Positive Discipline, lead trainer, parent coach, adolescent lead at Sproutable, and Mama walking the path right next to you as I imperfectly raise my own two teenagers. Joyful courage, you know what it's all about. It's about grit growth on the parenting journey, relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning and influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves. Today's show is an interview. You're going to love it. And I encourage you to listen for how grit shows up as my guest and I tease things apart. But before we get started, do you know the level of giving back that happens when you leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or share it on your social? You guys, it is so, so important. It helps me and the show get seen. It encourages people to listen. I really need your support with this. I need your support with this. Each week, the show gets over 5,000 downloads. That's amazing. That's amazing. And if all those people wrote a review and shared why they keep listening in, it would shoot us to the top of the charts. It matters so much. It matters so much. So if you can, jump into your podcast app, go to the Joyful Courage show page, scroll down until you see, write a review, and tell the world what you love about this show. You can share about the content, about me as a host, or a specific episode that really landed for you. If you don't listen through Apple Podcasts, it's fine. Like I mentioned, you can take a screenshot of the show you're listening to, drop it into your social media, drop it into your stories, let others know that you enjoy listening in on the Joyful Courage podcast and that what I put out matters and tag me, right? Tag me, let's spread the word. Let's spread the word. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff, shoot me an email. I'll walk you through it. No big deal. I can support you. Thank you so much for listening. I continue to be so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm so honored to serve you and to be walking beside you. Thank you for who you are and for being in the community. Enjoy this week's show. <laughs> Hello everybody. Today my guest is Emily Shirkin. Emily is the screen time consultant, an internationally recognized consultant who has worked with families and schools over the last 15 years, a former classroom teacher and current parent. Emily helps families go from tech overwhelmed to tech intentional. Yay. She's been featured on the Today Show twice, Good Morning America, and in the New York Times. And she's working on a book about tech intentional parenting in the digital age. You can find more out about Emily at her website, screentimeconsultant.com. Hi, Emily. Hello. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Casey. Yay. Nice to meet you and see you and oh, get to, to you.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. I am so glad that you're here. This is such the topic for parents of tweens and teens. And I mean, I did a whole summit about this and it's still like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And... What do we do? I know. Will you will you share with us about how you've found yourself in this niche of uh supporting parents with tech limits and 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 mindset? Yes,
1: I would love to. So I, as you mentioned, have a teaching background. So I spent twelve years teaching middle school, which is like the heart of tweendom. And I God bless you. <laughs> I
3: get that reaction. A lot. <laughs> Thank you for your service.
1: You're welcome. it it, it I absolutely love the craters, and not everybody feels that mm-hmm. way and so I feel very lucky that I got to have all that time to really get to know that age group um, and what I noticed when I entered the classroom in 2003 was that nobody had a smartphone because they didn't really exist for kids at that point and nobody had a flip phone except for the one kid whose mom was totally neurotic and paranoid right and then that kid was so embarrassed like oh my mom is making me carry this like old school flip phone around
0: Which was new school. Which was totally new school in two thousand (laughs) and three.
1: Exactly. No, it was it was an embarrassment. And in the ten years I was at one single school, it went from that one or two kids in that grade to ninety five percent of my students had smartphones in a ten year period. And what I noticed about halfway through that, as more kids were getting them, was the impact of. the FOMO that was happening, right? That fear of missing Mm -hmm. out, which is normal developmental middle school angst exacerbated by the introduction of social media and smartphones. And so of course it was MySpace and Facebook initially. Now no tween will be caught dead on Facebook. But at the time that was the it platform. And I noticed my students coming into the classroom and just talking about like, oh gosh, there's this party and someone took a picture and posted it and I wasn't invited. And it was just made everything about that social engagement that's already fraught for middle schoolers that much Mm -hmm. more intense and so then i was like well wait a second we got to talk about this like we can't see elephant in the room i can't teach a vocabulary lesson if kids are stressing out about all this outside of school stuff and so i started talking to them about it and i loved again i loved working with this age group because they're still like genuine and earnest and honest like they want to be good people And they're so awkward, you know? So I just had so much compassion for just all of that. And what I found was they would say, well, yeah, 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 you're telling us not to look at our phones. You're telling us that we shouldn't use social media. But our parents are the worst. Our parents are texting and driving. Our parents are scrolling through Facebook. And I was like, aha, this is Mm -hmm. a parenting challenge. This is not a kid Mm -hmm. problem. And I say that. It is something we can help kids with, but it starts with us. And then I'm going to have like a giant asterisk there that says also the tech companies are hugely responsible for this. So I don't exempt them. Yeah. But that was a real pivot point for me where I was like, okay, I got to talk to parents. And then I would start doing these parent talks, like parent education nights at school. And they had no idea what their kids were doing. I mean, it was sort of this revelation for all of us. Like, oh, wait, I didn't mm-hmm. know they could do that. Or I didn't know... You know, you could look this up or connect this way. So that led me to really thinking about how can I support parents because mm-hmm. parents are our, the children's first teacher, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so yep, that's how yep. I got into it, and I launched my business actually in 2018. Um, I, I taught for 12 years, and then I worked for two years in a, in a center for kids and adults with executive function challenges. So, like, primarily ADHD, which was fascinating, and I really saw even more that clashing of executive function challenges with screen time. And it was just this like, oh my gosh, so much harder. And at the same time, what was happening in schools is that more tech for schools was happening. So online homework, all of that stuff. And then we get the pandemic and that was literally someone just said, it's like fuel to the fire. Everything just, you know, conflagration here. So that's where we are. Yeah. I've been busy.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, and as I listen to you kind of go through what you've seen, I'm remembering like, even as a young month, well, I wasn't young, but my kids were young when my kids were young. And I remember Facebook. I remember a friend of mine being like, oh, it's this really, it's actually just a great place to store photos. I remember my good friend Raelle was talking about it like that. And it's really cool. And you can share it with other people. And I was like, and then I got on there and I was like, Oh my
2: God, this app was made for me,
0: you know? And I didn't have any training. I, and I was like 35, you know, or however old I was in 2008. And You know, it's so interesting to me working with parents because there are parents who are kind of like, la, 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 not interacting so much with their smartphones and not really understanding the different apps. And then there's parents like me who I realize I have my own issues with screen limits and I'm constantly like trying to figure things out on my phone to like stop like the other night. Oh, my God, it was time for bed. And I went in a deep dive into these yoga videos and these yoga reels and I was like shit it's 11:30 yeah. I need to go to bed and I can't stop. Yes. So and then I'm I'm sure I know that there's people in the middle who have a, a healthy relationship with their technology but you know that's I think about that too and we don't have this memory right like there's certain things around parenting teens where we can be like okay what was it like when mm-hmm. I was a teenager and navigating mm-hmm you know, alcohol or curfew or whatever. There is no nothing precedent. for yeah. us to really yeah. And so I feel like our generation of parents work really at yeah. you know, it's a very shaky foundation. Yes. So I'm really glad to have yeah. you on.
1: Well you touched on for personal
0: and professional oh, reasons.
1: Well, good. thank you. I said <laughs> I, I love talking about this. And I will say I love that you referenced how this was so different. Even 10 years ago when we were newer parents because I have a 10 and a 13-year-old. So that was my beginning of my parenting journey. And parents will say to me, well, I watched TV and played video games as a kid and I turned out fine. I hear that all the time. Not the same. 100% not the same. And here's why. Because you remember, I'll just give you an anecdote. I remember every Thursday night, my family would be so excited because we got to watch the Cosby show and that doesn't hold up very well today. I realized that. I know. But we had to wait a whole week to watch one 30-minute episode. That is never something our children will ever experience because it's 24 seven streaming of virtually anything we want. So that alone, I mean, that's just one tiny way it's different, but we had fewer options. Right. And what did you, when you were, when you were a kid and you said your parents, I'm bored, what'd they tell you to do?
0: Go outside.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Today, not my problem. Today, when kids say I'm bored, what are they really asking for?
0: I want screen yeah. time. Well, if they're, I, I mean, you know, I yes. And I'm thinking about one particular lovely mom in my yeah. group who posted about, well, we don't have screen time until 4 p.m. And I said, wait a minute, Natalie, how old are your kids? And she's like, oh, four, eight yeah. and 11. I was like, this is the teenager yeah. group. Like <laughs> Yes. And I mean, it's a rare parent of a tween or a teen that's yeah. like screen time doesn't happen till 4 p.m. Right.
1: right. Right. And again, we get so muddied because of a school related issue. And I think that yeah. is really this underlying hot lava that makes us even more fraught for parents because you could have great screen time rules. And in fact, you know, we've dabbled in like, where do we allow screen time for my 13 year old? You know, what day is it? Are weekdays that we do or don't? But the problem is he's got an iPad for school. So then what? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not yeah. going to stand over there and watch him, you know, and I get so fired up about that because I'm a teacher by training, right? So I know, I know what good learning looks like and what skills are required. And they mostly don't need to be on an iPad. But it's, yeah. it's like somebody told me once, it's like holding back a tsunami with sandbags. You know, it's just feeling mm-hmm. like this is kind of futile. But I say that and I'm still very optimistic and hopeful. So don't worry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Great. Good. Thank you.
0: (laughs) But the other thing too, is like, we are an ever more tech centered Mm -hmm. society and world. And so on one hand, there's, you know, the importance that our kids are learning how to be tech citizens and how to navigate technology, which I think just like, you know, it kind of reminds me of in schools, you know, taking the tech out, And that only focus on academics versus the social emotional aspect of development, you know, there's a disconnect Mm -hmm. there. So when we're talking about technology and the skills and using technology also included inside of that are, you know, Mm self-regulation, limit setting, all of those actual, you know, social and emotional skills that come with learning how to use these devices that aren't going anywhere.
1: Right. So here's...
0: Tell me about being tech yeah, intentional. let's talk about let's, that. Let's move okay, into so that. Okay, tech intentional. Yeah.
1: Here's what I always say. I'm not anti-technology. I'm tech intentional. And what I mean by that is that I don't hate technology. Okay, and full disclosure, I'm married to somebody who works in the tech industry, like literally married to the problem. Okay. So we talk <laughs> about this all the time. And, and actually, he's on board with a lot of what I say, you know, and he recognizes. But here's an example because parents will say this all the time. Well, my kid needs these skills to be successful in the future. And here's where I push back. When did you learn how to use Facebook and the internet, right? You were well past college, I'm guessing, right? Because that's oh, us yes. here. Our kids, yeah. They We didn't even have email in no, college. No, right? This <laughs> is easy stuff to learn. I mean, yes, you can learn more complicated stuff, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to get on the internet, sign up for a social media account, whatever. We cannot... Mm displace other critical skills in the name of tech soon so that we can prepare our kids for the future. And what I mean by that is first of all, the tech skills that exist now, that kids are learning now are going to be irrelevant in 10 years, right? Because things change exponentially fast. So first, you know, we if we're going to front load it by saying, oh, but they're learning all this coding. Well, the coding language that's relevant now is not the one that people used when I was in college or 10 years ago. So there's that. The other thing, and my husband has, you know, he works with engineers and you know, graphic designers and people who, he literally is in tech. And what he says is yes, when I interview someone to hire them for a position in my office, I want them to have coding skills or or engineering skills. Those are important. He's like, but that's half of it. The other half is, can they problem solve? Can they think critically? Can they have a conversation? Can they communicate? Can they manage their time? Can they be organized? Mm -hmm. And you know what those skills are? Executive function. And none of those Mm -hmm. require a screen. So if parents want yeah. their kids to be successful for the future, even in a tech-based career, then my advice is prioritize the right skills first. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't have some tech, and we can talk about that and mm-hmm. how much is too much, but it's it's like scaffolding it in. And I really yeah. think that we are sold sort of some mistruths about the benefits of tech, but we're displacing the important skills. that You can't get back at least not as quickly or efficiently as when we're young, you know, and our brains are just so malleable. So that yeah. to me is huge. I want to highlight what I'm hearing
0: you say like what your husband mentioned. Mm-hmm. And by the way, my kids are not learning coding through Snapchat, TikTok, yeah, exactly. and Instagram. But anyway. It, right. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But what I'm hearing like what I love and some you know what I talk about with parents and a, po- a really powerful positive discipline tool is making agreements. Mm-hmm and co-collaboration. And, and when I think when I'm listening, as I'm listening to you and those executive functioning skills, that's what they're stretching into yeah. as we, are curious with them about tell me about this and how are you navigating red flags and what do red flags look like and teach me about this app and how are you, mm. nav- how are you, you know, what does it look like when you are, when you've reached the limit and it's time to put it away and how to manage the emotional, you know, flooding that comes, you know, there's so much. Yes. Even as tech as is the topic, yes. there's so much around it yes. where if we are willing to be in conversation and to hold our kids, because that's another piece too, like the technology, I mean, it's an, it's another thing when we're talking about the school laptop, yeah. right? But as far as the phones, mm-hmm. right, which I think parents of teens and tweens, I mean, we can talk about video games too, but the phones... Mm-hmm that is a privilege Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. That is a privilege. Mm -hmm. You do not have to buy your child a phone. Mm -hmm. You don't have Mm -hmm. to, right? And we're doing Mm -hmm. it. And if we're going to do that and give them that privilege, it comes with responsibility. And I don't mean like they better be doing their chores. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. What I am talking about is they need to be willing Mm -hmm. to have conversations Mm -hmm. about limits, about health and well-being, about self-regulation, all those things that your husband mentioned. They have to be willing. If they're going to have this privilege, it comes with this responsibility. And I think when we can sit inside of that, it makes those conversations... Well easier. I don't know if that's the fruitful, but it's like, (laughs) yeah, fruitful, like just a given, like, this is what we do. If this is what you're going to, you know, it's like, I'm not going to give my kid car keys and just say good luck. No,
1: that's exactly the metaphor I use. You would not hand your 16 year old the car keys and say, just go drive. It's all good. Heck no. Yeah. You'll figure it out. I mean, there's a whole reason (laughs) there's laws around, you know, early driving and permits and all that. And I absolutely, that's so important. And I think, I have a rather strong opinion about parental controls, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, which is that I don't recommend parental controls. I recommend parenting. And here's what, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a little star again and say, look, if you have parental controls you like and you use, fine. I'm not going to tell you to take them away, but here's my reason for saying no to that. Too often parents want them, the parental controls, to exempt them from the parenting piece of this and this is exactly to mm-hmm. your point, we cannot just hand these things over and say, oh, well, I downloaded X controls or B app or whatever it is, and they're fine. It doesn't work. That's the same car key thing. Well, I have they have airbags. Yeah. They'll be fine. That's not <laughs> how it works. And so we can't, I like to quote Devora Heitner who wrote Screenwise, like, you know, it's, we have to be the mentors, not just the monitors. And that mm-hmm. is where I think especially in those teen years. And I just love what you said about the opportunity, you know, the conversations around this, that it's a both and, you know, too often we're combative when it comes to screen related challenges. And is one of the things I say all the time is we have to go backwards to go forwards. Like we have to start Mm -hmm. with connecting with our kid before we have the fight about screens. Because if it's a fight, you know it's not going to work for either of us, right? It's just, you know, it's just
0: stressful. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying around monitoring versus parenting. And, you know, I'm definitely in a both and with my 16-year-old. I love that that iOS has parental controls and we have limits set. And I look and I see, wow, because we're having this tension around – he's, you know, like the days where he's like, well, it's six and I've, I met my limit. Can you just give me more time? And it's like, well, let's see what you've been doing. And it's two hours of TikTok earlier in the day. And then the question is like, is this, that's too bad. Like, I know you'd rather be connecting with your friends. Do you think this is a place where you might want to limit around TikTok so that you're getting, you know, pinged that, Hey, you've, you've been on this thing for an hour. Like, is this how you want to use your, yeah amount of screen time today. And so I feel like we're in the both. And, and like I was telling you before I hit record, and I think I've said this on the podcast, we are, except for that COVID showed up in our family, but we were already, everybody's okay. Okay, We were all ready to have a new conversation Mm -hmm. with him because he's 16 and it's, you know, there's places to look at. We've had the same limits for a while. And so this is great timing for this conversation, but you know, it's, it is, it, it is something that evolves with our kids. Yeah. And I, I'm not willing to say, well, actually, I'm not going to say that I'm not willing because the good news is I can see, yeah. right. Every, the data is there mm-hmm. and we can look together. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's a tool too. Then, you know, you're using yeah. it, it again. And this is, I always say like our phones are not switch blades, They're Swiss army knives, right? Like they're multi-tools. They do all like kinds that. of things. And, yeah. you know, using it as a tool is a way we use our phones. I mean, this is something we can acknowledge and name. It gets tricky. And, and what I'm hearing and I love is that at 16, you're having a very different conversation about how screens and technology are being used. I, right. It's the parents of six and eight-year-olds who tell me that they've got unlimited internet access or social media access. I mean, they're eight-year-olds with Snapchat, right? Like that to me yeah. is way putting the cart before the horse, you know, you've got so many years of development that need to happen. So I hear if you know, your 16 year old, you're having these conversations. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And and I hear in that the intentionality, right? Like, to me, that's Mm -hmm. the important thing. And what looks tech intentional in my family may be a little bit different than in your family. It's just that it Mm -hmm. is an alignment with your values as a parent, and in your household. And, and again, full disclosure, you know, my 13 year old, 13 year old and I had an argument about this last night, you know, you're the only parent who sets limits. You know, I don't like this. These are your values. I got that one. This is, I never agreed Uh to those. And I said, well, you know, you don't have to like them. Like this is, this is developmentally Mm -hmm. normal. And I think parents sometimes don't know that or understand that. And it's Mm -hmm. hard. It is, it does feel bad when your teen's so mean to you and like yeah, the (laughs) the like, but we have to remember that we're the parent and that we have to regulate and manage our own emotions so that we can be ready and present to help them manage theirs. It's not yes. we can't personalize it. And again, guilty is charged. I get mad and hurt sometimes. like I don't want to make it sound like it's easy to do that. but we have to remember that like they're 13 or 15, you know, like this is power for the course
2: or
0: Or eighteen? Yeah, 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 totally,
1: exactly. So, talk
0: to me about persuasive design, and then we're going to get into some of the questions that came straight out of the community. So, what is persuasive design? I feel like
1: no conversation about screen time is complete without understanding what this is, and I always say to parents, this is not a fair fight, and what I mean by that is persuasive design is this concept. Here's a really easy way to remember what it is. It's literally technology plus psychology to change our behavior. So Mm -hmm. it looks like a lot of different things, but here's an example. How many of us have decided to watch an episode of a show on Netflix and the show ends and it auto loops into the next episode and we don't even have to physically move our body. And suddenly we're watching two, three, four, five episodes and we didn't mean to, right? I've done that.
0: Yeah. Last night. Exactly. Yes.
1: How about scrolling through Instagram? Is there a bottom to your feed? No, no. you literally <laughs> could scroll until you die. And those are just two of many types of persuasive design that the products we use, the apps, the platforms, the devices themselves are designed to to hook and hold our attention. And Mm -hmm. these tech companies have hired developmental psychologists to design the products to tap into our neural pathways to do that. And if we adults in our 40s plus have hard time with the auto looping and the scrolling, how on earth can we expect a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old to manage this? Because their Mm -hmm. brains that part that was going to control that emotion regulation isn't fully developed till they're well into their twenties or even later. So that's when I, when I say it's not a fair fight, we have to remember that when our kids have the meltdown, when they fight us on stuff, yes, some of that's developmentally normal, but it's not a fair fight because their neural pathways have been hijacked. I mean, we have, we are fighting dopamine and feel good hormones. We are not fighting Mm -hmm. our child. Our child's not weak willed or bad. It is, totally unfair. So that's when I get really mad (laughs) and I want to fight the tech companies. But I believe that especially for older, you know, the tween and teenage, we can talk to them about this. That's what's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. They're smart people at this age. They're little humans, not little adults because their brains are still different, but we can talk to them about that. And that's when I would talk to middle schoolers about this, I just loved, they were outraged. It was like the injustice. How dare you manipulate me? I'm not okay with that. But the problem is, Mm -hmm. even adults, when we understand this concept, we still think we're like impervious to it. Like, we are like, oh, no, no, I know what it is, but it doesn't affect me. We like gasp. Or I
0: know what it is, and I'm going to (laughs) hit. Yes, I am going to watch the next episode of Too Hot to Handle.
1: We're like gaslight ourselves sometimes. And I think the problem is we we have to remember that it's so much harder for children and children. I include yeah. up to 18, you know, like they're still children. Oh, beyond. yes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's what yeah, persuasive definitely. design is. And then I think it's again, this perfect storm, right? We were in pandemic life. So how did we stay socially connected? Well, We turned to our devices, we turned to FaceTime, we turned to online school, we worked from home, everything became digital. And again, Mm. in the short term, and I'm going to quote my husband here because I love this, he said it was a lifeboat when we needed it, but lifeboats aren't long-term housing, right? It was a short-term solution that can't be sustained long-term, and we can see that in the mental health impacts of isolation, excessive screen time, stress, anxiety on young people. And- I mean, I do correlate a lot of that to screen use, and it's not the only thing. I know there's a lot of factors, but that that's a worrisome thing to me. So that's what persuasive design is, and I do believe that if parents understand it, they can be more intentional about how they talk about screen time. Like we can say, you know, whatever age kid is having a meltdown. I mean, it could be a six year old or a sixteen year old. We can say, "Gosh, your brain sure loves what it's doing, and you don't, and your brain doesn't want to stop, right?" We can sort of Mm -hmm. take it away from the person that's having the mm-hmm. problem or the challenge and say like this is so unfair like no yeah. wonder you don't want to stop right you're literally having all of this good stuff happening up there so that can help yeah <laughs> doesn't mean it goes away yeah i was
0: <laughs> i was in a conversation last night with the gals in my membership program about um we were talking about screens cuz <laughs> It's the conversation it and, you know, some of the coaching that I gave to when approaching our teens and tweens in these conversations is to start with connection and curiosity, because when we show up and we're like, put the damn screen down, you know, or yep. like, God, you're always on that screen. Or I read this, I have all these articles, yes. you know, like this is what they yes. say. But I mean, first of all, I feel like our teens... They know a lot. Yeah. Like they're they're a lot more aware yes. than I think. A lot of us give them credit yes. for. And to go in with curiosity yes. and to find out, like, is your body giving you? Do you get signals from yes. your body about like, whoa, it's been a long time? Yes. And how do you navigate that? I think that's yes, so powerful. I love that. You so, said w- that. did you watch the
1: social dilemma? Yes.
0: Did you watch the movie? Yes. Did you and did you feel like it was useful? Yeah, I
1: think it's yes. It, you know, it's
0: the beginning of a conversation. It's the beginning,
1: and I, I think the only, you know, yeah, I think it's totally worth watching with teens. I think they're going to know you have a hidden agenda. So again, it's approaching it with the right intention of yeah. like, hey, yeah, I totally. saw this. Would you want to watch this? I love what you said too about curiosity and I, I have a little story about that because my one of my mantras I say all the time is how do how can we replace judgment with curiosity? Like that that's the strategy we yes, have to approach. Love that. And I learned that in a mindfulness class that I took before I had kids and I had time to take mindfulness classes. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> thinking, Oh, this is such a great quote. I'm gonna put it on a keychain for my husband and I went and got it engraved and I went and picked it up and brought it home and I showed That's so nice of you. Oh well the, <laughs> Listen to this. Subtle. Oh, yeah, right, right. Totally hidden agenda. But I managed, my cousin looked at, she was visiting. She goes, Emily, you spelled judgment and curiosity wrong. I was an English teacher. I had turned this keychain in to the engraver. I couldn't even I couldn't even blame the engraver. It was my fault. <laughs> but it's a great example of like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And also exactly the point. Like, what is it yeah, about those words that. that make it tricky to spell? But I agree. I, you, we have to. I always say it's a both and, not an either or. You know, you can't. If you go into any conversation about screen time with judgment, it's shut down the conversation. It's it's a it's a it's mm-hmm. a battle. So getting yeah. curious, and I love. There's a lots of word prompts. I'm sure you talk about these all the time. You know, like I notice. I wonder how does it make you feel? Or talking about it ourselves. One of my favorite tips is this idea of living our lives out loud which means we narrate yes. what we do as we do it. So, gosh, I'm reaching for my phone and I'm bored and I'm scrolling through Instagram and I don't want to be scrolling through Instagram, but that's just what I'm feeling right now. Or I'm looking at a map, I'm looking up a recipe. Like, it doesn't matter how old your kids are, what great modeling, accountability, executive function, skill building, like mm-hmm. showing them that we struggle too is huge. Yeah. It goes such a long way, right? And it helps us build that connection. So I love that you said that, yeah. yes. Well, let's take a look yeah. at some of
0: the questions that I
1: got from Great. some of my peeps.
0: Yeah. So Sean was wondering, she wrote in, as parents of teenagers, should we force limit settings such as unplugging, especially when we see it causing harm? Or do we let them learn their own lessons? Mm-hmm. She feels really mixed. And I'm curious even about this question, yeah. like when we see it causing harm, meaning yeah, what kind of when the harm? unplugging is causing harm, yeah. or we're seeing that the use is yeah. causing harm, but Either way, what are your thoughts about forcing that limit setting? So
1: the word forcing definitely jumped out at me because that is immediately going to be a conflict, right? You're going to set up that Mm -hmm. combative feeling. So Mm -hmm. again, talking getting there curious. So when, again, causing harm, wondering if that's from the screen itself or the taking it away, but to get curious. Mm -hmm. I notice that when screen time ends, you have a really hard time, or I notice you're spending a lot more time on your phone than usual. Can you help me understand what's going on? Is there something you need? The conversational piece first. So I would Mm -hmm. not even think about the limit setting until you've had the conversation more than once, right? And it it needs Mm -hmm. to be little snippets, right? Like little few second conversations in the car, on the way to school, whatever it is, um, letting them learn their lessons is so tricky, right? As as you point out, you know, the older kids get, we want that independence, that differentiation, they're forming their own identities, but we still have to provide the scaffolding and the the safety lanes, you know, and that Mm -hmm. for the internet and Screen use, there are some safety considerations. I don't don't even just mean like the predatory scary stuff, but the impact on brain development and sleep and behavior and mood, like that's our job to help them regulate it. And the problem is it's this perfect storm because if we say no or take it away or limit or minimize it, they react because of that hijacked brain, right? So the Mm -hmm. response to our limit setting is more extreme than if we were setting a limit on like no more candy, right? So it's a little right. bit harder, a lot harder. It's not a little bit harder. It's a lot harder. <laughs> Let's be yeah. honest. And I think it's both. Yeah. And again, like, you know, it's, we have to remember it's normal for teens not to like our limit setting or not to like our rules. And we can name that. I know you don't like this, but mm. right now that's the rule. And I'm, I'm doing this as a safety thing, like, or in my mind as yeah. a parent, this is about your health and I'm prioritizing yeah, your health. I say that.
0: Yeah, I'm a broken record. This is about health and yes. well-being. Well, and I love what you're what you're saying, Emily, because it's not and I'm hoping, I'm guessing, I'm trusting that the listeners are hearing it too. It's not do I set limits or don't I? Right. It's setting limits inside of relationship yes. with the child that those limits are impacting. Yes. yes. Right. And I think if if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh, my God, all I have to do is bring up limits and they freak right. out, then maybe the conversation isn't about yes. the limits. The conversation is about, wow, yes. I notice it's really hard for yes. us to talk about mm-hmm. screens, mm-hmm. like have a conversation about the conversation.
1: Exactly, You're laying that foundation first because you can't, again, you know, you can't build the road if you don't do the whatever. I don't know anything about building roads, but you know what I mean? Like that metaphor. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that's absolutely it. Like, yeah, we have to have that conversation and we can talk again. I really think there's such value in modeling that it's hard for us too. Yeah. Because then kids know we're human and it's our struggle too, you know. And mm-hmm. and then it's you approach it together, especially too, as kids get into those teen years, you know, being their ally and helping them see, gosh, you know, being an adult can be hard and it comes with lots of privilege, mm-hmm. but it's challenging. Even, you know, this is hard mm-hmm. for us too. So I always say to parents too, like no parent has ever called me to say, I wish I gave my kids more screen time. I wish I gave them a phone earlier or social media earlier. Never. Right. So, you know, even though it's hard now, remember that literally no parent has ever said that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: One of the members last night in my group call, was talking about how her 15-year-old, like they're in the conversation about allowing Snapchat for their 15-year-old. And I just had to have a moment of, a round of applause for her. Like you made it all the way to 15 with no Snapchat? Well done. Yeah. yeah. So the next question that I have comes from Alicia and her her child is 11. Well, I guess she's 13 now, but, and I think that this is also so applicable to the 15-year-olds and the 17-year-olds. Um, She talks about how March 2020, Mm -hmm. they really let go of limits and her child also is ADHD and that interaction with friends was, you know, as it is for all kids, so exceptional, right? And now a couple of years later, her daughter is doing great as far as all the areas go, relationships, extracurricular grades, but mama feels like the iPad is all she ever wants to do and mom feels guilty It's a quick, easy dopamine hit and she's doing well. So I can feel the struggle, right? And I know the struggle, like everything's looking good. And so it's hard to find the why to rein it in Mm -hmm. and to restrict. So how can we support her around what the benefits are around doing the work Mm -hmm. of of reining it in? I mean, I can't really think about... Any other better way yes. to say that? No, I'm like
1: I think it there's in. a lot in this question. And I um, one thing I want to say right away is that parenting is like the judgiest experience I've ever had, <laughs> it, you know, being judged as a parent, right? And then yeah. feeling like everybody's judging everybody else. So I always tell parents to go for good enough that it's like an 80-20 rule. You know, 80% of the time we're doing what we want, parenting how we want, working in our values. And then I joke that during the pandemic, it was more like 60, 40, right? Just let's just get above yeah. half. <laughs> so first of yeah. all, to cut our, or make it to, make half. It to half, right? Exactly. <laughs> so to cut ourselves some slack, like parenting and guilt, guilt is so real. I get it. And I empathize and it also doesn't really move the needle. So just to give yourself some slack, that's my first thought. But secondly, yeah. this is, it all comes back again for me to that tech intentionality and balance. And so I, there's a, a colleague of mine, Dr. Doug Gentile, who has done a lot of research on screen time and looked at um, generational differences. So like how our childhood, our parents' childhood and our kids' childhoods are so different. And one of the things he talks about is displacement. So that simply the time we spend on screens and we can look like he actually does the number of hours per week that kids in America today spend on screens versus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a humbling number and, and I can I can send you a link to that. But a, yeah. one
0: of the things to okay. think about is... I don't know if I, I want know, that link. You know what it is. You know it's
1: way higher than it used to be. but, but More than a part-time job? <laughs> yeah. But the key point is not so much the total number, but what it displaces. And so for teenagers mm. in particular, what's the first thing they displace when it comes to screen use? Sleep. Movement? Oh, oh sleep. sleep. Okay. Well, that's, it, probably yeah. that too, because sed- being sedentary. But like staying up later or being online at Mm -hmm. night or right. And so that's it's sort of this like flip thing because sleep is the low-hanging fruit. Like it's it fixes so many other issues if we can prioritize sleep. Yeah. But so for this mom, like hearing that there is success and balance in these grades, extracurriculars and relationships sounds great. To me I hear balance and that it -hmm. that displacement maybe, you know, yeah, a little bit of screen time is fine. But I hear her saying that she feels uncomfortable about all the, the iPad being the end all be all, like the thing that her daughter wants. And there's a little neurodiversity point in here too, right, with ADHD, which is that it's kind of a misnomer to call it a hyperactivity, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, because actually ADHD is a surplus of attention, right? It's like the mm-hmm. hyper focus, hyper intensity. And so it, at the expense of everything else. And so that gets really messy when we talk about like that dopamine, especially for the brains that are craving that. That stimulation, it can be even yeah. harder to manage and regulate the screen time. So it does require that parent intervention piece. But also to talk about it, again, I hear the curiosity piece coming back. Like, I notice you really love your iPad. What is it that you want to do on the iPad? And why is it so compelling to you? And it's okay to say, as your parent, I'm feeling uncomfortable about how much you want this. And I want to figure out how we can step back and revisit this as. The thing you want more than anything. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, she doesn't say on here, is it six hours a day or is it an hour a day? Right. There's a big difference. Right. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, and I, and
0: I, what I'm hearing you, as I'm hearing the language you're using, I just want listeners to recognize this is the same conversation that you can have with a 16 year old. Yes. Like, I'm really uncomfortable. I notice yes. that you've got that phone. Yes going all the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious about that. And I'm, I, and I'm actually kind of concerned about yeah. that. And I'm wondering, this is the great entry point of like, I'm wondering what kind of personal limits you have. Right. Yeah. Because that's the other thing too. We assume that they don't, that they're not tuned in at all to the fact that they're spending all this yeah. time and maybe they are, yeah. you know, but we don't know unless we ask them. And yes, I love what you're saying. And when we then so now we've had this period of time, and it's time to what did you like the 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 displaced the, uh, the home the housing oh yeah right? the temporary long-term housing, housing right, right right yeah now we want to go back yeah. to more of a long term exactly. housing situation and we are confronted by these kids that are not on board yeah. so um. Yes, there's that, too, because it's easy for you and I to have this conversation. Yep. And and I'm sure listeners, yep. it's like, here we are another couple parent educators. But my kid's going to freak yep. out. Yes. Right. Yep. So yep. let's
3: talk, let's about, talk
1: that. about that, because here's the thing, too. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the curiosity and connection first. Right. Again, don't talk yeah. about the limits. Yeah. Don't talk yeah. about it, which is very
0: like I want everyone listening. The power of the curiosity and the connection yeah. is gigantic. It's, it's not like formulaic. It's not oh, like, it's not a trick. Yeah. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's real mm-hmm. because it's building relationship and creating a relational situation mm-hmm. for this conversation to happen. In. Yeah. So, and as a teacher, okay, on, I always said too,
1: learning happens in the context of relationships. Like it doesn't matter what the content yes. is. The learning will happen because I have a relationship to my students or my child. Right. So we have to yeah. remember that. Like, I think I get, I understand parents wanting to jump to the limit setting, but like, there's a lot of pre-work that has to go into that. And once that happens, the limits are easy, actually. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. easy. I, I still, again, argue yeah, with my not son. simple. Yeah. And they're easy. pushing yeah. back on it. Is Again, we have to remember how normal that is. I think another thing I was thinking about is, because again, I want to go back to that, like both and, like, if we got to do this together, especially for that tween and teenage group, you know, it's like, how can we say like, Again, we can read broken record. I notice, I wonder, right? Like those are just great prompts. Anytime you're feeling that judgment coming on about the screen use, I notice. Just say it as an observational statement. And then to say, I wonder what would happen if we tried something different for one week. And we give it it a really clear limit. So it's not like you never get screen time ever again in your whole life. It's like, could we try this and see what happens? And it might not even be like, you know, away for a whole week. It might be like during homework. Could we try and see what happens if your phone lives in the living room while you do your homework? Mm -hmm. And I know parents are going to say, but they need to talk to their friends and there's the online school stuff. And that's a whole different podcast that we can talk about (laughs) because it's a mess. Clearly
0: we're going to need a part two, Emily, because I'm looking at the time and I'm like, there is so much more. So I would be
1: honored. Yes, I would love that. But yes, so I think again, I love this idea of approaching it as a little family experiment. Like let's do it together. And P.S., we have to participate too, because we that's modeling, that's accountability, yes. that's showing that we still are works in progress. Like it's okay. Look, yes, you're the parent. You get to set the rule. After your kids go to bed, you can binge watch on Netflix. You're right. That's all true. But when our kids are watching and learning and listening, we get to be a part of that experiment too. And so maybe mm-hmm. identifying, and again, I always tell parents, please start small, please start small, please start small. Please start small. Yes. Don't go home and revisit everything tonight or, you know, do it all at once. It won't work. So how do you pick, right. like, what's the one thing, I call it the non-negotiable, like, what's the thing you really, really want to get in place and start there and you have to let the other stuff go? That's
3: hard. That's hard. Oof. Yeah. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why?
0: Well, and that leads me into the next question, yeah. which I think is for a lot of people, the, the one place that's non-negotiable and it's um turning in, like turning down, yeah. turning off, turning in the tech overnight. Yeah. So Melanie wrote in, um, her kids are 13 and 15 and they swear, no one else has to do this. And she... Is a, you know, conscious parent and she knows that all the parent groups and counselors and therapists say, turn them Mm -hmm. in. Teen brains are tired and emotional overnight and can't process what's going on via the screens. How do you enforce this and get teens to buy in? Now I have to be transparent here. So we, like I said, use the Apple screen limits. And one of the limits that's set that is non-negotiable is his, my son's phone shuts down at a certain time. And the Spotify app, because that's the conversation, like, oh, I need music mm, to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So the Spotify app does not shut down mm. and everything else yeah. does. So he actually has his phone in his room.
1: Right. But you've shut it down and essentially it's like but a But I've CD shut it player. down. So I feel yeah. I feel good yeah, about that. Right. He's got a disc man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm fully aware too like the whole conversation around yeah but they can you know the workarounds and yeah. this and that. In my family like because it's set up as health and well-being and and because it's not about like I dare you to try to go around yeah. this like that's just not the vibe yeah. that we have and I'm open to discussion I'm open yeah. to collaboration. Yeah. yeah. That's not so much mm-hmm. of an issue in our mm-hmm. house. So anyway, I just wanted to be transparent in this conversation. But what do you think about like, so how do we protect their sleep and help not make it this thing that we're in a battle about?
3: Yes.
1: So kids who battle you more may also be sleep deprived, right? So this is a nice little vicious cycle here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, what I hear you saying in the example with your family too is like that authoritarian versus authoritative, right? If we set so many rules, we're inviting a developmentally normal response, which is to push back on limits. So the more limits we set, Mm -hmm. the more they push back. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have rules, but we don't want to invite that challenge, which is why you go backwards again to the curiosity and connection. So for yeah. overnight, again, I'm right there with you on that. I, you know, it's a health issue. It's a safety issue. Sleep deprivation has an impact on every other part of our life. Hi, remember being a new mm-hmm. parent, right? Like, oh my gosh, I was a different person yeah. when my brain wasn't getting enough sleep. So I think that's a that's an okay one to be hard and fast about. Now, again, it depends on the age of your kid, right? And depends on how you've set it up until now. And I'm going to ask parents, where are your phones at night? <laughs> Because if it's on your nightstand, it's going to be a lot harder to enforce that rule for your teenager. And I know the first Mm -hmm. comment people are going to say is, but it's my alarm clock. (laughs) Alarm clocks. That's the same thing we hear from our kids. Oh my gosh. They're like, what, 20 bucks, less than 20 bucks. You can get one. An iPhone costs how much, right? We can, we can model that. And yeah, maybe it's a little less convenient, but there is a great opportunity to like, you do it with them, model it. You know, mm-hmm. yes, privilege comes with that being a parent, and there's other ways we get mm-hmm. that, but it's going to be a lot harder to enforce something if you're not willing to even try it yourself. So that's that's yeah. an important one, and I really think again that low hanging fruit. It's okay to say to your kid, like I've tr- I've learned something new about sleep and the importance of sleep, and I would like to try this for a couple days. I would like to see what happens mm-hmm. if we put your room in, your phone in you know, in this space at night or whatever it is. And, you know, Mm -hmm. your, your point about like the workarounds and like, you know, shutting certain apps off again, if you have parental controls at work and you don't mind managing them, fine. To me, that seems like a full-time job sometimes. Like I don't want to spend that much mental energy, but my kids are younger, so I'm not quite there yet. And I imagine I might be, but kids do find workarounds. So there are some apps that even if you shut other things off, there's still ways to get into the internet. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so Yes. Again, it's that like how nuanced do you want to be? Sometimes, right now, I feel like it's easier just to be like n- not in your room, period. And if you need something sure. else at night to help you fall asleep, I have a tip about outsourcing audio, you know, get an external speaker. So it's not mm-hmm. digitally connected, and you can have it in another room and you can t- put a timer on it, right? So it goes off after an hour mm-hmm. or whatever. So mm-hmm. there are some ways to work around it, but um but yeah, I mean, I think sleep if you're going to start with anything, Sleep's a big one that has the biggest impact. I think so
0: too. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure.
1: For
0: sure. Margaret. So she asked a bunch of questions, but the one that I grabbed Mm -hmm. was um, that screens are the primary or sometimes the only distraction coping mechanism Mm -hmm. employed for a child's anxiety or loneliness or, or other negative affect, but her tween doesn't see it that way right? Mm -hmm. And so like you mentioned around values, self-regulation and values are really different. We parents are trying to create some limits, the howling, the crying, the despair and Mm -hmm. frustration coming from the child is mounting for a kid whose neurodiversity might make tech self-regulation even harder than for other folks. What are some parenting Mm -hmm. strategies that you recommend? This is,
1: yeah, that's a big question.
0: Margaret's not the only one. Yeah. yeah,
1: And I, again, I'm going to be the, with the mental health, challenges that young people are facing, which are really higher than ever. I don't ever want to say to yank something away without having a support mm-hmm. in place to mm-hmm. to balance it. That being said, mm-hmm. a lot of parents say, well, I got them the phone or the social media because they were afraid of missing out. They felt left out, right? That it's sort of this again, that vicious yes. cycle. But I always invite parents to think too about, well, what are you, what FOMO are you generating by giving them exposure to social media? They're gonna be Mm -hmm. 10 times more aware of what they're missing out on, comparing themselves, feeling like they're not enough, because now they have this platform where they can compare themselves to so many more people. So we have to think like, there's that piece of it. I really think, again, it goes back to the curiosity and connection. I notice you seem so sad. I notice you're feeling really anxious. And we have to talk about our own issues with reaching for our phones and moments of boredom and loneliness, too. And there is another thing I like to talk about is this idea that not all screen time is created equal, right? So like during the pandemic, we are FaceTiming with relatives. You're using the device to maintain an existing connection. Like to me, that makes sense. You know, for newborn babies who are born and they didn't get to meet grandparents for a year. newborn parents would ask me all the time, is it okay to FaceTime? Yes, but you're not doing it 24 hours a day, right? Like it's a few minutes to see grandma and hear their voice. That's what's important about that Mm -hmm. relationship. And so again, I don't want to, to shut that down, but I also know how hard it is for parents of teens and tweens to say like, well, that's all the social life. It's all on social media or texting or group chats or whatever. Like how do we help our kids feel included?
0: Right. But isn't there a difference between texting and group chat and even Snapchat conversations? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between that and scrolling. 100%. Because it's like one directional versus two, right? Not that there's a way to be like, here's how you fix that. But, no,
1: you're right. You know, there, It's there's not all the something same. Something to keep in mind. And it's, it doesn't have the same impact on our brains too, right? And we have to think about that like this is the thing too, like parents will say, well, how much screen time is too much? And I say, well, a little bit's okay and a lot's too much. Isn't that a really helpful yeah. answer? Yeah,
0: so but thank you, parent yes, educators. You are
1: welcome. <laughs> the problem is it's not going to be the same for every kid, right? You have two kids, you get it. One works for one, yeah. doesn't work for the other. Or what, what 100%. their, you know, my son's going to, he has no interest in social media, but there's a video game he always wants to play. And it is the bane of my existence because we're constantly battling about it, Right. Sadly, Mm -hmm. discussing it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I do Mm -hmm. think that we just have to know our kid, right? So again, where are the, is there offline social connection to support that kid so that when there is the online part is the tool for connecting in real life, right? The in-person connection, Right. right? There's that piece of it. I also think that we have to remember that the, that you know that not a fair fight when the kids are having those meltdowns, that this is the developmentally appropriate reaction to the persuasive design. They are going to flip mm-hmm. their lids and it's it gets mm-hmm. much harder when they're older, right? I talk to parents of younger kids about this, like think about this now. So here's, a, I have three questions I always invite parents to think about because when we choose to give a screen-based option for whatever purpose, we have to think about what do we gain? And there's a lot of reasons, like convenience, connection, communication, whatever it is, like there are good reasons. What do we gain or what are... Oh, gain both, right. What is gained okay. Okay. by giving it, right? And okay. for younger okay. kids, it okay. might be like, oh, I can go make dinner while they play on the iPad. For older kids, it might be they yeah. feel connected to their peers, right? Sure. The second question is what do we lose or replace? So if we're giving, if our kid's bored and we give them screen time, are we displacing an opportunity to help them learn what to do when they're bored, right? Because boredom is the mm-hmm. birthplace of creativity, right? We want boredom. Boredom isn't yes. bad. So what do we lose or replace? And then the third thing is, what do we model? What are we modeling about mm-hmm. having big feelings and feeling anxious and reaching for our phones or reaching for our devices? Like, maybe I'm calling a friend because I'm upset and I'm modeling that mm-hmm. connecting with another person helps me feel better. But if I'm just going to sit and scroll through Twitter, that's not necessarily making me feel better. In fact, more likely it's going right. to make me feel much worse, right? So we got to. but then right. we go back to live your life out loud. And we talk about what that experience is like.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would also suggest and I'm guessing you'd probably be in agreement and alignment here for Margaret, too. And I kept and like what you said, you know, there is going to be a pretty intense reaction mm-hmm. if we're yanking the thing away or just coming up. It's been too long. You need to put it away. I think that this is one of those places. And Margaret, you're the one that knows what this can look like for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody that's listening. But this is a place where co-creating an agreement around what it looks like, what limits look like, when they're going to happen, how it's going to look. And I'm guessing if it's a neurodiverse child, like getting really nitty gritty with it, having conversations around, gosh, you're, you know, how are you going to feel when you reach your limit? What's it going to be like for you? What are some what are some things that you can do mm-hmm. when you feel that way? And, you know, in doing all of this, like you said earlier, Emily, with starting with that first main thing and then kind of expanding mm-hmm. the limits. But I think, you know, what's when I think about a parenting strategy, I really want, you know, everybody to remember these conversations that we're having around self regulation, around screen use, around limit setting are not happening. When everybody's dysregulated and there's no limits Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in the heat of the moment, because, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about lack of executive functioning. Nobody's got executive functioning in that moment. Exactly. So, you know, making it a family affair. And I love I love what you said when we were talking about sleeping and like, I'm going to try my own limit. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to model it. I'm going to play with it too. Cause I'll be honest with you when we all gather around and it's like, let's see whose screen time is the
1: highest. That's not an award I'm you not want. The, let's just say that I am not the lowest. <laughs> <laughs> right. No judgment here, but, but yeah, we got to We can't pretend that we've got this figured out either.
0: We're, we're, we're. Yeah. And no. listeners, I want you to know too, I'm going to make sure there's a link in the show notes. I have a screen time agreement handout that um, people can use to generate those conversations and to pull Mm. in a lot of what Emily's saying as well. Okay. Margaret, I hope that was helpful to you. (laughs) Catherine, I loved this this share and I have to read it out loud because it cracked me up and so many people were like, Me too, me too, me too. So she writes, the screaming. Casey, I can't stand it. When my kiddo games with his friends, the screaming is unbelievable. And when he's not gaming, he's watching YouTube where there's people who are also playing games and screaming. Why do they have to scream so much and how can I get him to be aware of it and the impact on the entire house without screaming at him myself? (sighs) but in the mean way, not the fun way.
1: Oh, I, again. <laughs> Relatable, anyone? I, I yeah, mean. that's, I have a lot of empathy for that. Because for me, it's when my daughter walks in with the speaker on full volume and her audiobook is playing and she tries to talk to me and I'm like, I can't talk to you while this yeah. thing is blasting. So again. I'm sure everybody's sitting here
0: like, I wish that right. was problem, I know,
1: anyway. <laughs> I know, it's a good problem to have, but it's a slippery slope because how do you access the iPad? This is where we got the external speaker, right? Yeah. It's a whole yeah, and she's yeah, ten, yeah. she's a little younger, but I really think we go back to that curiosity and connection again because I wonder if her son is even aware that he's doing it. So then it has to be mm-hmm. this, "Hey, I notice that when you're gaming or when you're talking to your friends, there is just a high level of volume. Do you notice that that's happening?" He might be like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't. Right? Like, hmm. Right. And then it might be a moment of like, okay, so I wonder what would happen if we did this. Or I feel really stressed out when you scream all the time. It's frightening. It's stressful, whatever it is. Another thing might be, to sit with him while he's doing his video games and then say, I'm going to put my hand on your arm, pinch him, <laughs> pinch him. Every time he <laughs> poke him with a pencil. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but as you say, like put the gentle hand on the arm Shock. and be like, Hey, here's that moment. Here's that. I'm just, yeah. again, that physical awareness, bringing it back to his right. body. Like he may mm-hmm. not be connected at all. So mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. Another solution might be for, um, Catherine to just get those noise canceling headphones for herself, right? Like,
0: oh my gosh, my sister swears by them. <laughs> oh, yeah. She found ear, ear pods, earbuds that like, and she's got a, a new baby and a four-year-old. She says, Casey, it's a new world Oh, for I me. have a
1: friend who does that too. And it just says like, I can parent so much better when I don't hear 50% of what's happening.
0: <laughs>
1: so a, good solution. a little, you That's know, a good safety solution. first, but <laughs> I think there are some, yeah, again, I think it just goes back to that. Are you aware? Help me come up with some solutions. Like, how can I be a Mm -hmm. reminder to you, you know, outside of electric shock? Like, how can I like, just give you this gentle reminder? And then, you know, maybe there's a cutoff. Like if I have to remind you this much, it's just not going to work to do this. Like, it's not.
0: Or even, you know, there are certain times of day that it's, that, that, that this amount of volume is, going to work in the household right, right right like it's okay to say that too because i love thinking about in positive discipline we talk about uh mutual respect mm-hmm. and kindness and firmness and it is about respect yes. for the child yeah. respect for the parent yeah. and respect for the situation yeah. and others that are affected by it and if any part of those isn't being mm-hmm. respected then it's it's imbalanced right. doesn't and work right doesn't work i think that's a okay. that's
1: a that's a very good point yeah
0: Oh, man. Yes, though, Catherine, <laughs> we know what you're talking about. Okay, well, oh, man, definitely you're coming back. Because I'm well, sure that like, word. even in the hour, <laughs> yeah, even in the hour that we've talked, I'm sure everybody's got follow up yeah, questions. And so we're going to dive into that. I
1: was also just thinking Is, too about the one the screaming one, like what's happening in his brain? that is yeah. triggering that level of response. Because I wonder if there's all this nervous excitement and energy that needs to be burned off before he plays or even after, right? Like um, that just occurred to me too.
0: Yeah. So another thought. Well, and I, I mean, my son, we're not a huge gaming family by any means. That's not our issue. But when he, d- he gets into Fortnite with his buddy, Josh, and man, it is it's pretty comical. <laughs> I mean, and it is. It's this like enthusiastic, yeah. impulsive, like, Wah, right. Wah, like they're in the moment <laughs> and it's, it's loud. super loud. Mm-hmm. So I hear you. Before we wrap yeah. up, though, is there anything that you want to be sure that parents hear before we're done today? Mm.
1: I mean, we've covered a lot. So I think the biggest takeaways that I want parents to have in mind right now is the good enough, like we're going for good enough, mm-hmm. that great. it's progress, not perfection. So it's, yes. we do better when we know better. And that even if this feels awkward. And
0: we practice we a practice
1: lot. Better. Exactly. <laughs> like, again, you know, even parenting experts don't have this all dialed in. We just have the tools more readily accessible. And so to just build your toolbox, do the things that Mm-hmm. you know, to try them out. It's okay if your kids eye roll and say, Oh mom, you're so weird when you live your life out loud all the time. Right. But <laughs> that's okay. Right. Because they're learning and, and works in progress too. So yeah. And just again, could cut yourself slack because this is hard. Like there, there isn't yeah. perfection in this. And I will be the first to say that even as in the work I do, like I don't guarantee that you will never fight with them about screen time again. But that would be a very oh, false yeah. premise for me to, to say that. Right, let's just say you will. Yeah, because you would fight about <laughs> other things like parenting and conflict sure. and teens. Like that's a normal yeah. thing. We have to go back to the normal part of this and just know that the yeah. screens have made it a lot harder. Yeah. yeah. So I always ask my guests
0: at the end of my shows, yeah. this question, what does joyful courage mean to you? I just love
1: this. I was thinking about it because to me, I have like my two words are courage and integrity. Like those are my like, Mm. my focal points. And to me, courage means doing the hard things, even when they're scary and doing them anyway. And I love that you added joyful because after I do those hard, scary things, I do feel joyful. Mm. And I think that's, it's like, there's that dopamine hit, right? It makes me want to do it again. It makes me want to put myself out there more or speak up more. Even though it's scary, so I loved that. We loved Love
0: that. it. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Yay!
1: Remind people where they can find you and follow. Yeah, please. follow your work. So I'm my website's thescreentimeconsultant.com. screentimeconsultant.com I just launched my new site yesterday, so if you don't need it's gorgeous by you. the way. I oh good. If you have any, if yeah. you find any like broken links, let me know. I'm still <laughs> finalizing it. Yes. Uh, yes. Good. yes. Um, I'm on again. I recognize the irony of this on social media, (laughs) but again, it's a tool for, for getting my message out there. So Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, is primarily, I guess where I am. I have a Facebook group as well. And I post, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter, YouTube channel with some videos. Um, and I'm actually going to be launching a parenting course, uh, in March. So I'm looking to help curious, caring and concerned parents go from tech overwhelmed to tech intentional. So really it's that, how do we become a tech intentional parent A lot of the things Mm -hmm. that we talked about, but practicing it in real time, you know, sort of having that um, ongoing support from me, which, as you know, is key. Is
0: that for parents of younger kids, older kids? Who do you see as the audience for that That's a great question.
1: Um, It's funny. I have often thought that my audience is like the parents of 5 to 12 because I want to get in there early, but the parents who come to me Mm -hmm. tend to be the 10 to 15, you know, so it's the like... Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know when the kids are little. And so I love the proactive, preventative approach. But I would say Mm -hmm. for parents of kids anywhere, I mean, I think it's good foundational stuff. So birth to 12, but even 13, 14 too could be useful and relevant or listen to this podcast yeah lots of good stuff in there There you go (laughs) and part
0: two stay tuned I would love to awesome so so great to have you on
1: Emily thank thank you you so much for your time thank you for having me it was great to talk to you and I look forward to talking again yeah we'll have to do it again yay we did
0: it we did it we did it yeah did you have a Dora flashback? <laughs> That's a song from Dora the Explorer. We had another useful conversation to support us on the parenting journey. The teen years are real, my friends. I know I don't need to tell you that. You're living it. Don't forget, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share a screenshot of the show on your social media. Tag me at joyful underscore courage. Be a part of expanding the impact the show has on parents and their teenagers. Register for this month's PDTV at besproutable.com slash PDTV. Love you people. I will be back next week with a solo show. Until then, remember, mistakes are opportunities to learn for you and for your teens. Be in the practice. And if you can do nothing else, take a deep breath, feel your feet on the floor, maybe have a glass of water and remember that everybody's going to be okay. (laughs) Thank you to Chris Mann at Podshaper for making the show sound so great. Thanks to the team at Sproutable for helping me to get it out to the masses. I will see all of you later. Bye.